All right. We have MC Stretch with us tonight on the podcast and take 107. <laughs> of course, I'm absolutely intimidated. Uh it's very scary to have MC Stretch who's the king of the party, king of the mics with ah, me on the yeah. podcast and I'm just like a newbie who's doing this. But thank you so much Stretch for doing this for me. You're very welcome, sir. There's a nice backstory I actually approached his manager Alvin who's a good friend of mine who I met last time when you were around. I was like, "Bro, is it possible can I get Stretch on on the podcast?" And uh, he obviously didn't reply immediately. And uh, just as a fly, I said, "Let me just directly dm um, uh, you know uh, stretch let's see if he just responds at least and i said uh, hey this is rohan and stuff like that really like to be a part of this podcast and uh, he was like yeah bro let's do it on monday i'm free after the festival and let's do it and i'm here and i think about half an hour later alvin tells me okay you already got this figured out right yeah. i was like wow <laughs> so thank you for being so approachable it's no it's awesome having no you on the podcast happy to talk uh what i know a bit of your story how did it start how how long have you been in the entire industry in the scene Professionally now 30 years. Okay. Um some shape or form, you know, from DJ to party promoter to uh, you know, uh, everything to do with the rave <laughs> scene. Um All right. And uh basically I started as uh, an MC to keep other MCs off the microphones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was for a a guy called Hermit, DJ Hermit. That was at the beginning of the UK garage scene. All right. And I kind of became the MC that didn't talk a lot. That's a skill in itself, right? Very much so. <laughs> and um and it kind of just ran from there and winged it and blagged it uh, working for numerous companies and then eventually a while I was hosting for a festival in Holland called Lowlands it was 2002. Okay. It was on the lineup that day. Timo Mas was there, Darren Emerson was there and this guy called Tiesto. <laughs> and um I did this set with Tice. It was a big thing. Okay. Um it was huge for for Lowlands to have him there and i was just accidentally there hosting and we had a great time in his set during his set it's actually online so people can find it lowlands tiesto 2002 you, you can hear what the vibe was like all right there from there his management approached me and said look we're planning on doing a tiesto in concert football stadium 25000 people okay. one dj all night long are you interested i said yes i'm very very interested <laughs> how can you refuse that though exactly <laughs> you know and then um So yeah, Tiesto made me famous in that way uh, by the Tiesto in concert uh, okay. situations and um and the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history and I'm still writing history so it's all good. <laughs> so what was your first clubbing experience? What was your first raving experience? How old were you? I was 14. Okay. And was it like a normal uh... No, it was a blues, it was a reggae. Okay. Reggae, uh, reggae uh, dance. And then I mean we used to have school discos of course. Okay. And I that's, always that's where, where exactly is this which which town is this happening London. in London it's London okay. and um you know when I was in the sixth form you know I DJed at our, our own school disco and and you know so I was I was always interested in music anyway right. um but then my first real rave was when I was 16 and I went to stay at a friend's house and it was all devised because he said like you have to go to a party and I'm like well let's ask my parents if I can stay at your house and he's like yeah cool <laughs> So he ended up sending his parents and then wandering down to the bottom of his road and this is in South Tottenham. Okay. And um and then going downstairs into a basement, strobe, smoke, <laughs> repetitive beats. It wasn't even house music then, it was repetitive beats. Okay. And for most of the night all I could see was smoke and shadows and my hand just in front of my face. Okay. <laughs> it was one of the most intense nights of my life. Um drug free, no alcohol, none of that. Okay. And um and came out of there and went oh I want to do this I want to get involved in this and then yeah so then we started rolling started um yeah just trying to be a DJ was like okay I want to be a DJ 
became a DJ, started doing parties, house parties. and um, So if you could just tell us about the, the house party culture, because that's what happens mostly in Europe. We don't like, really have a culture. Well, house, house party literally means house, a party in a house. Okay. That was where it just came from us in London. Okay. You know, the, the, the story goes that, you know, the warehouse comes from Chicago. Of course, yeah. Um, but for us, a house party was, it was a party in somebody's house. You know? okay. So I used to DJ in houses for people at their parties. Okay. And... Um, we always used to smash it. Always used to have a great time, you know, carrying the vinyls around, and uh, we always used to have the system. And of course, I had the, my mum treated me to Technique twelve hundred decks, okay, for my seventieth uh, birthday. And um, of course, then I was on my firm. I was the one with the decks, so I was always. Okay. It's like anybody who rolls a joint. Of course, you get you get the first privilege to, to smoke course. it. Right? Of course, so yeah. the decks you had the decks, so you got to let me play on the decks. <laughs> and um, yeah, so then it just kind of went from there, and I've just been blagging it ever since. You first, you were a DJ, or were you or you an MC? How did it start initially? What was the first? Yeah, thing? I mean, you know, that was the thing. You was a, you was a DJ and an MC. I was kind of influenced highly by reggae music, so the, the whole presentation of how reggae was presented was okay. DJ. MC and the DJ was the MC and the MC was the DJ mm -hmm. so that was it for me as well you know that's still it for me you know mm -hmm. um, but because my voice is famous you know I'm hired mostly as an as an MC but I'm a much better DJ than I am an MC so, <laughs> so deep down there is a huge DJ in you so are you are you going to be touring are you, are you performing very often no well yes and no um, I don't do clubs anymore with regards to how the music uh, yeah I guess I hate the term EDM but the way that the Harder sounds and the DJs are talking all the time, working themselves up to the drop. It's okay. not really suited for club music, I think. Um, but I love a club setting, still do clubs if I'm called upon. But Tomorrowland is obviously my home from home. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, Tomorrowland Winter next month for the second year. Um, and then I'll be DJing on King's Night, which is the night before the, the bank holiday in Holland. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably have something also on the daytime for the family. Um, that's in April. And then the season starts, and then it'll be festival season all over again. So, what's your, so what's your sound when you're playing? It's, it's, is it house music? Or what are you Soulful house music. Okay. If you want to put it in the bracket. I thoroughly enjoyed your set last year. I think you were playing uh, an after party. It was, it was awesome. Uh, Zelle, was the, yes, the, 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 the warm-up. The yeah, first the warm -up. time I met you, yeah, it was awesome. It well, was Anish awesome. took me to, to the Bollywood, um, <laughs> Let's Bollywood talk Brewing about that. Company. Yes. And said, come, come and play with me for the afters. And he, he knows I just, I just love to. It's my favorite place in the world, behind the decks. And um, anyway, we we went we went in there, got straight on the decks, mm -hmm. and um, half the people wanted to hear Bollywood music. Of course. And I'm like, do I look like I've got Bollywood music? <laughs> so half the place left. Okay. But we still had a great time. Until. This is something which I, which I was talking to my friends and, and, and I really love and appreciate this about you because behind the decks, and it took me about five minutes to just, just say hi to you because you're so in your music. And I was yeah. like, he's enjoying himself. And he was like, let me introduce you to Martin. He's like, yeah, let him enjoy himself. And absolutely it didn't matter if there's like one person or 10 people or 100 people and that's something that we have to actually learn and it's it's awesome it, you can actually see just by the way you're performing how much you love yeah. house music how much you love it's all about house. it's all about the music it's all about the music and that, that's what i mean i play music for myself really okay i'm selfish in that obviously <laughs> obviously of course if there is a big crowd and you sense and you can feel that okay maybe you know of course i'll yeah. play a classic here or yeah you know you judge how the crowd is but for that instance of the situation we was in, I was like, fuck it. This, this, <laughs> you know, I mean, for the first half hour I played, it was all brand new music. Okay. You know what I mean? So, you know. You're, you're always active. So since, like you said, you're, you're mostly hired for, for being an MC. So do you still keep your music updated anytime you have your drive on? Not as much as I would. 
not as much as I would like. Okay. But, you know, I have to balance out my living conditions. <laughs> you know, I can't spend as much money as I used to on music anymore. You can accumulate more music for less price, of course, than what it used to of be. Of course, yeah. Um, but there's just so much beautiful music out there. So much. I mean, even just here, the weekend with the VH1 Supersonic, mm -hmm. you know, Mully, uh, Caviar, um, uh, Kampai, uh, 10,000 Lines Blows Everybody Away course, every time. <laughs> but I mean, just these undiscovered artists who I've never heard of, Machine Gun Kelly, mm -hmm. right? You know, I'm ignorant to so much good music that from my original DJ days, I would want to play this stuff, okay. but I can't. There's just too much of it now of course. because of the internet. You know, before it was just go to the record shop and the record shop would say, oh, have you, have you heard this? Or have you heard this? Or have you heard this? So if you could just tell us, because we never really, at least from where we are from, we never really had these record shops as such. Mm. Of course, we had the the Planet M's where we used to get just listen to the songs on the CD and eventually cover up money for one, uh, you know, one CD. It was very expensive as back then. Tell us about how you used to accumulate music back then in your city. How was it? Because I'm pretty sure it was, uh, it was like a new thing and there was a huge collector's thing. How did you save up money? How did you, you know, get the entire collection, Lord? And how, were your, how was your music different from I the others? I didn't save. didn't save money. Let's say, for instance, I got paid the £300 for the week. Okay. I'd go, have to give me mum some money. Make sure you do that if you're listening. <laughs> sons and brothers, and, and, and especially sons, give your mum some money if you're working. Um, and maybe just think, okay, well, I've got to do this in the week, got to do this in the week, got to do this in the week. Right, I've got 60 quid over. Mm -hmm. I'll go in and, and buy something. And then I'd stand in the record shop practically all afternoon, being about one, two, three, maybe four o'clock, mm -hmm. take a stack home, probably worth about 100 quid, and then come back and pay from the next week. So I'd pay them the next week for the records that I bought. Okay, that's the... But yeah, initially you'd, you wouldn't you'd pay for the records that you take that of you course, to shop of with of course but the shop owner used to know me okay and say like just give me back next week if you don't if you don't want them so it was like it was kind of that but in some weeks you'd, I'd, I'd end up spending 100 200 quid because <laughs> it's just you know some of this music just you can't let go because it was there wasn't a lot of it around at the time and, and then you knew if you let this one go it's gone. you know in a couple of couple of weeks maybe a month later mm -hmm. everyone's going to be playing it so it was always important to have the the records first first so what is your reference point so like you said like we have the internet right now i know that this one's defected records latest song is out and everyone has that song back then what was your reference point because there was no internet i think there was just a radio so how do you know that this track or this record is is the big thing was it the record you owner you don't you just just you, buy everything and figure it out i yourself? mean I, I think DJ, still djs do it very much so in techno still um somebody will send them a track okay Let's say, for instance, somebody will send somebody a track, that DJ likes it, and he runs it, he puts it in his set, and he plays it exclusively wherever he plays. Mm -hmm. And of course, now the internet, people want to know what the track list was, if they've recorded a set. Of course, of course. This unknown ID, ID thing pops mm -hmm. up. Yeah. People then start getting crazy for this track. So then what happens is that person who's been playing it will then probably eventually sign that track to mm -hmm. their record label. Or not, and let it play the other way around, and then that other person will be known for the track that X mm, played yeah. and off it goes you know what I mean so it's all that in theory it's still in place mm -hmm. you know because a lot of producers now are actually turning into DJs so they play their own music mm -hmm. and of course they're the only ones that have got it so in theory it's still in place and with the online digital uh, shops mm -hmm. you have a promo exclusive so somebody will say to track source here you can have that track for the, for the month mm -hmm. before every other online shop so the only place you can buy that track for the first month of releases is on TrackSource. 
Mm-hmm. So again, if you're not a shopper at track source, you won't be able to get that track if you only shop at Beatport. Mm-hmm. And what's your opinion right now? So now Beatport started Beatport Link. The future of dance music or the future of DJing right now is is just is good internet and just probably streaming your tracks. You don't need to buy the tracks and you have access to everything and anything. So what's your opinion on that? Because now, you know, if someone asks you for a particular track and you can give an excuse saying, you know what, I don't have that record, I can't play it. So what do you do now? What's your what's your opinion on this? I don't take requests. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Especially when it's Bollywood. I'll play that one for you tomorrow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just one of those things, you know. If, that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm I'm not as dedicated to DJs as as I should should be. Mm-hmm. But it's simply because you know, just like there's other things in life now. You know? Mm-hmm. But it's still my number one passion. Yeah. All right. So tell us about Tomorrowland. How did that happen? How did that come across? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, everything came about off the Tiesto. Tiesto. Yeah. Working with Tiesto, everybody wanted to use my voice. Okay. Yeah. So I think Tomorrowland were, were another one of those people that was like, let's hire him. Because it was Tiesto, I was kind of associated then. I was supposed to be MCS for trance. Okay. For some mad, mad reason. <laughs> you know, I didn't particularly like the fucking music. <laughs> Still don't really, to be honest. It's not like I go out and rave to it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, some of the stuff was amazing, of course. Okay. The area was, I think it was, we had Above and Beyond, Armin Van Buren, Marcus Schultz. Who else was there? There was a couple of other buds. that we, we was in a tent. Okay. So this would have been 12 years ago. So 12 years ago. And then what happened, I was emceeing for them and then Armin was closing the main. And then okay. Armin asked me to come and close the main stage with him. And then I've been on the main stage ever since. Tomorrowland wanted me on there. Okay. They put me in the tent. Then Armin said, come and host with me on the main stage. And then after that, then I was booked again. And then I was booked to host for the main stage. And I've been there ever since. How does it feel to be MC Stretch? Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask someone else about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just me, man. I'm just, you know, I've, I've, I've found my place in life. I'm happy. Found my place in life. I think people should use me a lot more. Um, I can be repetitive to some people, but, you know, I'm consistent in the message of, you know, stop the hate, spread the love, let's have a dance while we're doing it. But what is the experience? What is, how does it feel? How can you describe that feeling where, where there, but you can't count the number of people and every year it's it keeps getting every better? every kind of emotion you can b- believe, right? I mean, I was just I was speaking to somebody the other night, you know, last summer, there's me standing with my favorite DJ, one of the best DJs of all time, Carl Cox, doing the daybreak sessions on probably the big, biggest, most beautiful stage in dance music at world-renowned Tomorrowland Festival, top of the fucking food chain, you know? And I got kind of emotional about myself, thinking like, well, you know, all the struggles of life that we all go through, you know, I'm a father, I've got children, I've got a mortgage, you know, I've got a day job, doesn't pay enough. You've got all these worries and troubles, and then it just all goes away. All of it goes away. You know what I mean? And I'm standing there with the big boss, being the big boss, having a wave of a time, seeing faces, people giving me waves and, you know, having a glass of champagne at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you know, it's it's um, a little paradise in my life. Yeah, yeah. I feel home now. Amazing. Yeah. Talking about your family, you've got some beautiful kids. You've got beautiful twins. Yes. Most of you guys don't know. Tell yes. us about them, yeah? Yeah. Maine and Neely. Um, yeah, they're going to be eight this month. <laughs> I don't know where the time's gone to, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they was at a birthday party, so there was motocrossing yesterday. Okay. Doing motocross. My wife sent me the films. It looked, uh, looked like they had a great time, so they probably want a motocross now for, for, <laughs> for their birthdays, which they won't be able to get. Um, but yeah, they're everything to me, man. man everything to me. It's, it's a cliche what people say, you of know, course, yeah. life changes. But, you know, even the, you know, when I say look after the ladies and they will look after you, this planet we live on, and we haven't respected the feminine enough. And we don't 
respect the feminine enough. And that's where we've gone tragically wrong for, for, for thousands of years. You know, because the, if there's one person you can trust in this world, 99 times out of 100, it's your mum. You know, so why can't we trust the women more and allow them much more responsibilities? And they should be running the world, mate. Of course. We wouldn't be at eternal, eternal wars if the women were running the gaff. I mean, you know, there's, there's a few bitches out there, no <laughs> doubt. But, you know, the, yeah, and of course now father of twin daughters, then, you know, I'm fighting for their, for their space in, in the world to come. What are they like? Do they know about your career? Do they yeah, know? yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What do they say? What do they, they were worried for me leaving because somehow they found out about this coronavirus and they know about okay. this. Uh, and I was saying, look, it's just scaremonger tactics, sweetie. You know, there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a, um, they're trying to, I, I didn't explain to her the whole, you know, it's not conspiracy. Theory. I didn't explain to her the whole theory of why. Okay. But, you know, I said, don't worry, darling. It's just a, it's just another case of a bad flu and people are just being scared by it. And daddy's not going to China, I'm going to India. <laughs> so he was going, okay, daddy, you be careful. I said, okay, I will do. So, you know. So do they have any aspirations to join the industry, become DJs, probably any, anything? I have no idea. They can, Would you like them to they be? They can be whatever they want to be. <laughs> they can be whatever they want to be. Neely's a very good footballer. Wow. And Maine's um, a creative. She loves reading. Um, so we'll see. Mum's a sporter, very creative. Okay. You know, I'm a sporter, very creative. So they'll be all right, I think. If they don't fall into the wrong uh, wrong kind of gangs, and <laughs> God knows what's to come. <laughs> Pretty scary, right? You know, to grow up twins and twin daughters. Because They'll always have each other. That's yeah. the great thing. That's the great thing. You know what I mean? They might not like each other in certain times in their lives or whatever, but they will always have each other. All right. So that's the most important, knowing that, that, you know, when I'm gone, they'll have each other. So I've been talking to you for a while now, and I can easily say that you really respect females, you respect the ladies, you really love your mom. I've been told that your mom had a had a nice nickname for you. If, if you could just tell us a bit about the story. Ugly. <laughs> that's what she used to call you? Ugly, yeah. That's what she used to call you? That's what she still calls me. She'll call me up, she'll call me up and go, hello, ugly. <laughs> yeah, no, it was kind, it was kind of like, um, in Dutch, they say a roop name. And it was just, we used to do that as kids around where we used to live in our estate. Okay. And we, you know, we just used to call out to each other, just strange <laughs> names. And then... Um, so my mum just heard someone calling it one day. So we used to sit out at the front of my mum's house. Okay. Back on the estate. Just just the wall, just hanging out. We used to play football there on a bit of grass. And then she'd open up the, the window. They say we should just make dinner or something. And then she'd be like, Oi, ugly, come on, dinner. <laughs> and just, you know, because everybody would then just have a laugh. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, my mum's the best. Yeah, my mum's the best. <laughs> but didn't that scar you for life? Like when you were a kid and mum's calling you ugly? My parents are Irish. Okay. So it's all about taking the piss out of each other, <laughs> not taking yourself too seriously. You know, the, you, you've always got to have the crack, as they say. Okay, great. So you've been in Supersonic for, the, I think you're also hosting the Supersonic uh, every year. It's been, you know, how many years since you've been on board with Supersonic? I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I did, um, I did two years in Goa. So we, was this the fourth year in Pune, right? This was the fourth. I, I'm so six years I've been doing this. Okay. Yeah. And what do you, what, what's your input? Because obviously you've been at the Epitome, you've been at Tomorrowland. And where do you think we are in terms of our, our festival culture, our people, our music? Oh, India should be so proud. Yeah. So proud. I mean, there's, you know, there's, 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 uh, nothing's ever perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. So, you know, there's, there's things that can be improved on. Um, and but, I want to actually hear more about uh, what production, we can production wise. Okay. I think, I think they're where you need to be. I think they're where, where any major festival in the world is, should be. You know, the hospitality is second to none now. It gets better every year. Um, you know, hopefully, it's, hopefully, what Tomorrowland established, what Tomorrowland proved to me, is if you get the right team together, okay, everything is possible. And I think there's a, such a great team there now, at Supersonic, 
that hopefully, you know, Viacom can see the potential and keep it going for many, many years. Right. Keep me coming for many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, uh, I think, uh, Kampai and a couple of other artists. Who who do you think was the was the best or who's the future of Indian music right now? Whatever, it can be techno, it can be house, whatever is your preference. Nitro Fun, he's doing some mad, mad, excellent stuff with the sound that's now. But he's way ahead of the game already. Okay. And he's flipping and changing and doing crazy stuff in his music. And I like it a lot. Um, Caviar as well, she blew me away. She reminded me of the first time I heard Bjork. Um, my memories become so bad. Don't drink alcohol, kids. <laughs> but yeah, no, generally, you know, I was really impressed all round. And uh, yeah, India's got an amazing array of talent. Okay. And with festivals like Supersonic, you know, there should be more focus on that. And this year there was mm-hmm. tremendously. And um, and I think it could arguably be one of the best they've ever had. But I'll be interested to see how, how it all turns out in the next couple of weeks with attendees and how many people attended and, mm-hmm. you know, how everything was. Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear how everything went. So since you've been traveling all across the world, what do you think uh, is something that we need as Indian artists? So I, I DJ myself. Where do you think we lack as as artists in India on a global level? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're all doing good for ourselves in India in our own states and respective cities. Where do you think as DJs as a whole in, in India, where do you think we lack? Because obviously you've seen everyone and anyone perform uh, from the newbies to the to the legends. So where do you think we lack? I would have no idea, but I don't think you're lacking anywhere. I don't think you're lacking anywhere. I think India's big enough for, for people to succeed. Divine. Yeah. That was the other cat. For instance, <laughs> like Divine. You know, there's rapping in your own language. You have to do that. Americans are doing it in America. Let the Americans do that. Mm-hmm. You do your own shit. And Divine's flow in Hindi is dope. It's amazing. It is fat. It's, it's amazing. So, you know, um, I, don't think it's, I don't think anything's lacking. It's just, it's a, it's a sense of where a particular artist would want to see their end destination, so to speak. Do you want to live in LA and write crap pop music for people in, in the movies or, or whatever? You know, whatever anybody wants to do, they can do. You know, and I think India's big enough to look after its own. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what. It is. Maybe that's if there's one thing that, as a country, it should then push. Uh, I mean, Bollywood movies now. Let's have a look worldwide now. Mm-hmm. More and more people are paying attention to what's happening in, in Bollywood. Movies. Do you watch any Bollywood movies? I see one or two that come across on Netflix. Flick it on because I know this. I know the the, the cinematography is going to be off the chain. <laughs> um, and but I'm always interested how corny the, the storylines will be. You know, and of course, I'm not a fan of the masculinity in in those of course, movies, yeah. and of course, you yeah. know, you know, for, for me, that kind of went out in the fifties, hitting a woman. But this changing is definitely out. changing. The last couple of years, uh, no doubt, it has to, it has of to, course it is, it has to. I will give you a couple of recommendations. You should definitely go and check. Okay. Out. Of course, I will. All right. So tell us about your uh, about your journey. How's how's it been for the last fifteen, twenty years? If you could just sum it up for us and tell us what what has been your learning. Tell us about. Uh, something that you should definitely give out to, to the entire world. Uh, what's worked for you? Fix up. We're all one. We're all the same. We're all struggling in life. We all like music. Might not be the same kind of music that you like, but we're all the same. So give each other a break. Start being a little bit nicer. You know, don't get mad at people so easily without even, you know, if you don't know that person, how can you be angry at them? Mm-hmm. Until you sit down and start talking with that person, you don't know them, so don't judge them. That's what I've finally decided that needs to be said <laughs> and i'm just looking at what uh what stretch has just given me he's giving me a nice what is this thing called that's Owen's. that was Owen's. uh he comes up with crazy uh spread love crazy ideas for uh for merchandise and these turned up from uh i think from singapore they came from Bryan, singapore okay i had no idea they were coming 
<laughs> it turned up, I had to pay 50 euro at the door. I was like, what's this? Oh, this must be from the crazy cat, Alwyn. <laughs> and sure enough, there they were. That's a phone holder. Okay. So that holds your phone there. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's very handy. All right. So, so you've been there for this in the scene for a long time. You've been with the biggest of the biggest. There's some some interesting story of 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 some artists that you've come across, or some backstage story that that probably the world would never know if you don't get access to the backstage, and only you have, and probably you're on the biggest backstage ever. There's some really funny incident. Um, I can't really tell you any. <laughs> Pretty sure they're not listening yet. The podcast isn't so big. Obviously, say. <laughs> Um, maybe if we had a few beers inside of me, we'd be all right. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it, it's ongoing. You know, it's it's funny because I've been trying to write books since about 2011, and just all these mad things keep continuing. You know, and the parties keep getting bigger, being asked to go to different places in the world. And uh, well, there was one incident in China. Okay, right, first time in China, and I was hosting, and I don't speak Mandarin. And of course, Dimitri Vegas and Light Mike. It's spread over two days. And Dimitri in Vegas and Light Mike were supposed to headline the first day, but there was a storm at one of the other airports and they couldn't leave to get to us in time, so they were coming tomorrow. So uh, fortunately, I'd met a guy in Thailand okay. who was from Taiwan, who's originally Canadian, that speaks Mandarin. His name's <laughs> Dallas Waldo. He's a bad boy rapper from Taiwan and raps in Mandarin, right? Okay. Yeah, dope. And um, actually, you can find some, if you're listening... Go and find Stinky Tofu. He's got an EP. I, I did an opening okay. line for him in one of the tracks. Of course, I'll send the link in. Yeah, and then um, he fortunately was with me. So I said, listen, bruv, we, I need to make an announcement to let the people know that Dimmy and Micah are not coming and they're not going to understand what I'm trying to say. Of course. So he's like, yeah, cool, no, bro, no, no problem. I said, well, just you repeat what I say. Okay. So he's <laughs> like, oh, okay, we'll do that. So I had to go up on stage and say to these people. So I just did, you know, did the one line. I was like, you know, Brothers and sisters, unfortunately, we got some bad news. Dallas did, Dallas yeah. did the thing. So it was like it was quite funny because as I was saying it, he obviously then said the line, and then you could hear the reactions. Okay, on his line, not course, from mine. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so it was like so, and then in in saying all of that, I kind of just went, and well, you know, shit happens. And then he was like, <laughs> well, in and yeah, shit happens. <laughs> so shit happens means the same in Chinese. Okay. <laughs> that so was great. I got away with that one. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Dallas, yeah. I've got some good people around me in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Dimitri Vegas and like Mike. These yeah. guys are like power. So do you guys plan? What are you guys going to do with, in terms of the crowd control? It just happens randomly. They, they do that. They, they, they do that. And I've known Dimitri and Mike a long time, seen the boys grow up. But yeah, no, they they lock off place, mate. They 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 know what they're doing. I think I think this show's pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really out of, out of the ordinary there. Now, what you see is what you get. Um, and they keep smashing it. So good luck to the boys. All right, Stretch. I think that's about it. We've spent a lot of time. You have a nice flight to catch. Thank you very much, and sir. hopefully we will be seeing, seeing you more often in India. Fingers uh, crossed. Probably DJing more often. In, well, uh, tips. I've got tips. If anyone in India is listening, I've got I've got a business visa now for the year, so <laughs> I can have multiple entries. Shout, <laughs> shout out to everyone who's listening, who's, who yeah. wants Stretch. Hit Rowan up. Hit Rowan up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot for doing this. It means a lot to You're me. You're more than welcome, sir. I will see you soon. Cheers. Thanks Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Yeah. And that was the episode, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm getting mad love from all of you guys from the fraternity. Continue sharing, but definitely consider subscribing, following, liking, doing all that good stuff. This definitely helps me a lot. 